the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, here we go. Another Monday edition of Lifeline, November 9th, exactly 5.04 p.m. in the evening. Very cool evening, by the way. We are entering into our uh, winter weather, and so things have precipitously dropped in terms of temperature and all of that stuff. So um, stay warm, uh, eat well, uh, rest well, and all of that good stuff that we always talk about every year around this time, because on top of the COVID, you know, there will be the seasonal flus and bugs and all of that. And we will have to talk about how that also can be weaponized against us as a nation since, um, we are definitely, we are definitely poised for the Great Reset, if you know anything about that whole agenda around the world, as we talked about a little bit last Monday with uh, Archbishop uh, Vigano and his warnings to, to Donald Trump. You really do need to be aware of it, because I remember it was some 10 years ago I talked to you about Goals 2000 and uh, Agenda 21. Well, uh, we're, we're, we're right on top of that in many ways. Uh, quietly establishing uh, all of the infrastructure for massive, massive uh, reestablishing of the world. This is the stuff that you're hearing definitely from the left, from Mr. Joe Biden and uh, uh, um, all of the de- Democrats who are uh, eager to uh, to make a change in this nation and around the world being globalists. So, um Yep, things are things are things are getting ready to ramp up even more than they have. What an election! What a process! What a uh, what a what a set of events over the last uh, several days, huh? One thing we can say, and, and I know you might have some kind of emotional attachment to what happened, or good or bad, um, but the system is working. The system is working, and we need to understand that. We also. Um, May not like the outcome, but but that part is irrelevant. We we've learned a lot, at least I have, about the process once again of a constitutional government in its intricacies of working through the civil process of voting and all of the variables that go with it. Uh, our our government is poised for being able to put the brakes on what might very well be. Uh, aberrant behavior when it comes to voting. I'm going to ask you a few fundamental questions here in a moment to see uh, see what your thoughts are about it. But in our Constitution, when you have voting that takes place and the voting is suspect and there are concerns, legitimate viable concerns, it is a mandate by the Constitution that we examine the process, make sure everything went well, follow established constitutional rules. And if the votes are too close, you have to uh, you have to revote all over again in particular districts or states where uh, where it uh, is just too close for an obvious victory. By the way, for the people who have been uh, arguing, if you will, against Mr. Trump, 
because he has challenged the voting system, which I'd be more than uh, glad to talk with you about. This is nothing but uh, a revisitation of the year uh, 2000 uh, when uh, when Gore and Bush uh, went at it uh, and, and, and George W. Bush's second round, if you guys recall. And he um, he. He he was uh, he was uh, apparently winning, but Al Gore pushed the process. He engaged the constitutional right, and it was the right thing to do to evaluate the votes. I think it was in Florida, and uh, it took 37, 40 days or so, something like that. And I remember it well. It didn't bother me then, and it doesn't bother me now. It shouldn't bother you. We should never ever find ourselves uh, just because maybe our side is winning. Uh, wanting to overthrow a constitutional constitutional process by which <clears throat> checks and balances are to be implemented to make sure that we are not a banana republic or engaging in nefarious behavior when it comes to the voting process. Because the people that lose whenever states uh, vote and fraud is taking place, uh, uh, a false balloting or erroneous balloting or stack balloting. There's all kinds of terms that they use for it. Whenever that takes place, guess who loses? Not the politicians, the people of America lose. When once we don't have the principal discipline to say, let's make sure that all of the legitimate votes count, then we're opening up the door to a very rogue and banana republic where it really doesn't matter the only thing that matters is what the numbers say at the end when you tally them up. You don't need supervisors. You don't need overseers. You don't need people from both parties making sure that the process is being engaged in a fair and in a righteous way. All we're looking for is outcomes. And people who come from the countries we have warned about, Venezuela and, uh, and Cuba and other parts of the world where their voting systems are extremely corrupt, they know what we're talking about. They expect certain outcomes uh, because they know that you don't get a chance to actually vet those things, ferret them out, weigh them out, examine them, look over the shoulders of the people that are processing. And that's what's going on here. What's taking place in your country, ladies and gentlemen, is due process. Uh, due process is in order that you and I might remain free peoples. I'm going to just give you this philosophical thought, theological but philosophical. There's no such thing as freedom anywhere in our country or the world where you can cheat in a process and get away with it. It's not freedom for the process. It's not freedom for the candidates. And it's certainly not freedom for the citizens of America. You and I don't want to advocate, promote, or be part of a corrupt system where you can't be challenged, where your ideas can't be put to the test where your views can't be openly exposed for their flaws. You and I don't want that. That's not a free country. That's not freedom. Freedom always and only operates in the context of righteousness. And that requires a broad spectrum of openness, candidacy, uh, if you will, full disclosure, where things can actually be uh, challenged. And that way we can determine an outcome with a good conscience. And that's all that's going on here, if you will. But I can tell you, I I'm really learning a lot from this. Not moved, not bothered, not 
uh, trouble in the least bit because it's really not about the presidency at the end of the day. For me, it's about policy. It's about principles. And it's certainly about um, diabolical agendas on the larger spiritual level and governmental levels around the world that I'm concerned about as a believer viewing things through a biblical prism, looking at the prophetic implications of where our world is going and what we need to know in relationship to it. That's my concern here, not whether Joe Biden is in or Donald Trump per se, not the person, the policies, and not only the policies, principles by which policies are brought to bear upon the American people because we pay the price for it. But going forward, you can be sure about this. We are all engaged in a real battle. It's a real battle taking place even now, and it's called the fight of faith. Are you a Christian? Are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you are, can you not rest in the reality that God sees absolutely everything that's going on? Can you not also rest in the reality that when he wills, he will allow darkness and deception and wickedness to prevail in order to achieve another revelatory goal. You have to allow for that. We don't always get to win. We are not going to always lose. And as true believers, ultimately we win on the other side of glory when Christ comes. And sometimes providentially in this life, we know what the Bible says. Um, be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. And if you're in Christ, you're an overcomer as well. And that's where our contentment, this is where our joy, our satisfaction and our confidence comes from. But like I said, going forward, we are engaged in a real battle and it's going to be called a fight of faith because of all of the policies that are postured to come at us. Don't even want to deal with them today. Just kind of want to stay on this topic. Um, the path of moral corruption is going to increase in our world as the leaders, so are the people, and particularly if somehow what's taking place gets abruptly interrupted and the process stops, and then people are just expected to go on like nothing happened. Are you kidding? Uh, we cannot do that. We've got to see this through. We've got to hear from the Supreme Court. There has to be a legitimate authorial voice establishing the relevance of the present controversy. It can't just be the media, and it can't be your opinion or mine as well. We don't have the authority to call this a good election or a bad election. All we can do is watch and see uh, what our elected officials do with this. And so it's not over with at all in that, in that sense. The malcontented uh, people who have always been rising up and, and opposing America and America's ways and America's views, and, you know, they, they're going to still be doing what they do. It doesn't matter if Joe Biden is the president. Six months into his election, the malcontented, discontented uh, mob who are seeking revolution will be turning on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as well. Be sure of that. Also, uh, the biblical worldview will be more vigorously challenged, as I said, through this thing called the reset, the great reset. Our biblical worldview is going to be immensely challenged in terms of how people think, uh, how people engage, 
what we believe to be true, how we operate out of biblical principles relative to all of the things we've been battling for decades. That's going to be even more on the chopping block uh, in the weeks and months to come. And while you may not believe it, it'll show up in your uh, in your tax uh, increases. It'll show up uh, in your uh, in your daily lives. It's going to show up with the way you make a choice as to whether you're going to be vaccinated or not. It's going to show up in the way you live your life. The Great Reset is all about total surveillance and total control. So the child of God will need to be wiser and more knowledgeable than ever before. If you're going to be lazy, you're going to be deceived. That is a guarantee from God. The slothful will be deceived. So you're going to have to be prudent, wise, uh, and, and more um, diligent than ever before if we're going to negotiate what's coming before us. So let me ask a few questions before I go to break. And the number is one 367 By the way, one 367 to reach me on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Love to hear from you on these topics or others if they're relevant. Uh, is it possible? Here's the first question. Is it possible that the election that is taking place is fraudulent? Is it possible that election fraud is taking place? Secondly, would that be fraud of the American people? If it is, if it's possible that election fraud is taking place, wouldn't that be a, a fraud against the American people? Thirdly, would you be a responsible leader to turn your head from recognizing that fraud is taking place and that that fraud is against the American people and not engage the legal process by which we can expose that fraud? Would you be a responsible leader? Fourthly, has voter fraud ever occurred in America before? And fifthly, is that constitutional? That is, is voter fraud something that we can call righteous or within the framework of the Constitution? Obviously, that last question is an absolute no. So here it is again. Is it possible that election fraud is taking place? Would that be fraud against the American people? Would you be a responsible leader to turn your head from it and just let it go and not engage the process? Has voter fraud ever occurred in America before? These and all the rest of your questions I'll be taking after this short break, the number again is one 367 We'll be right back. All right, we're back. The number is one 367 If you want to join me on the Monday edition of Lifeline, uh, we opened up talking about the election and uh, obviously, uh, because we're in some ways, we're kind of still in the middle of it. It's not gone away. Uh, Donald Trump has decided to challenge the election process in Pennsylvania and in Georgia. Uh, and so it's on for a while. And what I stated before the break was that it's really just the process taking place. You know, uh, one thing we have to admit, though, um, we are definitely a, a divided nation in a lot of ways. Lots of people have clearly understood the implications of, uh, of, of the reset goal that Biden and Kamala uh, want to implement along with the rest of the Democratic Party. Uh, but that won't happen easily. 
uh, if particularly if they don't take the majority in the House and, and Senate, if if it, if if it still remains majority Republican, then it's going to be uh, really hard for Biden to get his policies through. But who knows? They're fighting right now. I think it's only one or two more seats. If they can flip those seats and get Democrats in there, then they'll have a full flush and they'll be able to run the House and get the policies in. And you and I are going to see what has been uh, warned for, for many decades and many years about, you know, leftist policy, uh, which in a, an amazing way, people don't seem to really be concerned about um, and, until, until you feel the power of a, a draconian system uh, imposing itself with new uh, ideas, new goals, and new agendas. That's the language that they're using. I think it was... Uh, uh, I forget, I think it was Governor Bo uh, uh, Mayor uh, uh, Bloomberg who basically says, you know, uh, it's time to, to, to make America better, if you will. And, and, and they all understand that language. This is a, a, a kind of larger, more globalist objective here, which doesn't take into consideration uh, the national autonomy or individual sovereignty of America. And this is where we're going in our world. And this is the new language that you're going to be hearing, and uh, you're going to be experiencing the power of the policies of an international government versus a national government, things we've been talking about for decades. But um, again, I raised the question, is it possible that election fraud is taking place, and would that be the... Uh, the fraud, actually, of the American people? If you and I voted, and, and yet we discovered in the voting... Uh, poll or place that we went to that either the machines were questionably rigged in favor of uh, the people that we did not vote for, or even if we did vote for them and it was in our favor and we found out it was working in our favor, if we are principled people, we should not agree with that kind of function because we know that freedom can never actually exist in the context of unrighteousness or uh, criminal behavior or distortion of facts or um, uh, uh, nefarious behavior. And so we don't want that. Uh, and then again, I said, would it be responsible for any leader? What if it was Joe Biden and the tables were turned and Joe Biden looked up in the middle of the night after going home and resting that he had a fairly comfortable lead over Trump and then woke up in the morning and the next thing you know, he's behind. Wouldn't he have a right to query and ask the question as well? What is going on with the election process? Something is very, very suspicious. So... Um, I'm here to tell you that uh, it, this is just par for the course. Don't be upset about it. Just engage it. So uh, love to hear from you. one 367 5329 The other thing that I recognize in this election, which I, I was really somewhat uh, taken aback but pleased about, and that was... A hundred, about a hundred and fifty million people voted. Almost fifty more million, fifty million more people voted this time, you guys, than ever before. It was always, as I've stated to people quite often, that uh, elections have generally been uh, uh, performed and accomplished by only one third of the American people. A hundred million people. 50 million for one, 50 million for the other. It was always close, a million or two for either side, 51 million for Obama and 49 for 
Romney like that. Um, but this time on both sides, if the voting ballot issue proves to be legitimate, uh, there were multiple millions of people who engaged in the process. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a good thing. Um, they engaged in the process, and now we're waiting for the outcome. Uh, now, what's going to be taking place going forward for us, who are gospel people, people uh, who are inclined to want to see men and women know the true and the living God in the person of Christ? Well, we're going to we're going to be engaging men and women on the hope of the gospel. We're going to be engaging them on the cause of Christ uh, going forward. They they are interested in their country. They're interested in their well-being. Great, that's wonderful. Uh, and this is going to be a launching pad for, for dialogue about spiritual matters because spiritual matters are critical. Again, uh, the majority of House Republicans need to uh, take Trump's lead and, 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 and fight against error if, in fact, we're dealing with... Uh, uh, fraud. That's not a bad thing. Again, if it were the Democrats that were being somehow uh, manipulated in terms of the voting, I would expect the Democrats to do the same thing. Trump's works will speak loud and clear in years to come. Should he take a walk and take a hike and move on out into the uh, into the um, vast uh, beyond for him. He leaves the White House. His works will speak clearly for him. He did a lot, and there's a lot there on the table to look at when uh, when we, we all look backwards. I don't know if he'll ever get any real love from the media, but his works will follow him, as will yours and as will mine. Every man will be judged. Every woman will, will be judged according to their works, and Trump will too. We can be judged in this life by our peers, by our fellow man, but God will be the ultimate judge of our behavior, conduct, and our works. So Trump, his works will speak loud and clear in the future. Um, again, also uh, forthcoming with, with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Uh, if we if we feel the vice of socialism and, 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 and godless, anti-biblical and anti-constitutional controls, we all will wake up to the reality of what was been a, had been an alarm for a long time, warning us about uh, the overreach and implementation of power to change the way we think, to change the way we act, to change what we say, to change how we feel. All of this will be coming in an accelerated rate in a few years particularly if the Democrats uh, win the House and Senate. Uh, that's just the way that it is. But for the people of the living God, we, we continue to engage in the cause of the gospel, engage in the preaching of Christ, engage in trying to be Christians, albeit it can be and most likely will be even more difficult than as now. I'll tell you what I would encourage you to do. Look up the term, the Great Reset, the Great Reset, and, and do some research on that. This comes out of the French Revolution, and that terminology has emerged again on the part of the globalists, and they have they have a goal, you guys. They definitely have a goal of a radical change in our world, and Joe Biden gave a number of key uh, terms. You talk about dog whistles. He was giving terms as well, uh, letting us know that he's a complete facilitator of the Great Reset on a number of levels. It is kind of shocking to read, but if you look it up, The Great Reset, you'll learn, you'll learn a lot about what has occurred over the last 
nine months, 10 months, if you will, up to now with regards to the way that the left has been talking over against the way that the right has been talking. And pretty soon it will be as evident as you and I have now had to face same-sex marriage, as you and I have now had to face uh, the central uh, argument of transgenderism, as you and I have had to face um, the uh, mandate that's coming down the pike for our kids and, and their their so-called rights to uh, to declare their gender and therefore be supported by psychologists and psychiatrists and the medical industry. You, you hear Biden using this term, uh, listening to the science, listening to the science. Ladies, that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a code word for reset. If you do the research, you'll see what I'm saying. Science will become the sort of new priesthood uh, establishing what is morally right and morally wrong in our uh, governance and in our practices here ex extremely uh, soon, extremely current will be a submission to the CDC, a submission to the World Health uh, Organization, a submission to uh, to 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 the systems that are in place mandating that we operate out of a kind of health agenda, global health agenda. And if we don't, there will be consequences. All right, talking enough, need to hear from you. one 367 This is Jesse Gistan with you on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And we are back. Again, if you want to call in, look like we're all doing a little resting tonight. If that's the case, then I'm just going to read to you some articles that I have been kind of perusing for myself around uh, some of the, uh, the, again, some of the larger institutions around the world that want to uh, implement policies. I was directed to a, uh, an article that talked about the World Economic Forum in 2015 and uh, how it talks about what is called the 2030 Agenda, the year 2030. That's 10 years from now. The 2030 Agenda for a Sustainable Development, this is the World Economic Forum, and it's coming from uh, people who are aware of what this plan is uh, in terms of its goals and implementation. And I'll share it with you. Um, this is how it speaks. This is first the preamble of this so-called 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Obviously, you guys, this is coming out of the UN, the United Nations, the high-level political forum on sustainable development is the central UN platform for the follow-up and review of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development adopted at the United Nations Sustainable Development Summit in September 25th of 2015. Five years ago, they put this in place. They're simply waiting to implement it. What is it that they want to implement? Listen to it carefully. This is called the preamble, and there are several uh, alarming statements that they make. The preamble says, this agenda is a plan of action for people, planet, and prosperity. It's a plan of action for people, uh, planet and prosperity. It also seeks to strengthen universal peace in larger freedom. We recognize that eradicating poverty in all of its forms and dimensions, including extreme poverty, is the greatest global challenge 
and an indispensable requirement for sustainable development. All countries and all stakeholders acting in collaborative partnership will implement this plan. We are resolved to free the human race from the tyranny of poverty and want and to heal and secure our planet. So notice what they're going to do. This is the UN now. This is called globalism. We are resolved to free the human race. That's called liberation theology. From the tyranny, there's your, again, there's your, your kind of uh, uh, oppression, oppressed motif. From the tyranny of poverty and want and to heal. Now you have your sozo concept or your salvation concept. Heal and secure our planet. This is salvation language, ladies and gentlemen. We're determined to take the bold and transformative steps which are urgently needed to shift the world onto a sustainable and resilient path as we embark on this collective journey. We pledge that no one will be left behind. There you go. The 17 Sustainable Development Goals and 169 Targets which we are announcing today, demonstrate the scale and ambition of this new universal agenda. They seek to build on the Millennium Development Goals and complete what these did not achieve. That is the Goals 2000, if you guys remember that whole system. They seek to realize the human rights of all and to achieve, watch this, gender equality and the empowerment of all women and girls. They are integrated and indivisible and balance the three dimensions of sustainable development, the economic, social, and environmental uh, matters. And so it goes on to say, got lost that, that right there. It goes on to say the goals and target, the goals and target will stimulate action over the next 15 years in areas of critical importance for humanity and the planet. With regards to people, we are determined to end poverty and hunger in all their forms and dimensions and to ensure that all human beings can fulfill their potential in dignity and, here's the word, equality and in a healthy environment. The planet, we are determined to protect the planet from degradation including through sustainable consumption and production, sustainably managing its natural resources and taking urgent action on climate change so that it can support the needs of the present and future gen generations. Prosperity. We are determined to ensure that all human beings can enjoy prosperous and fulfilling lives and that economic, social, and technological progress occurs in harmony with nature. Everybody's going to prosper. Sounds like your, your prosperity gospel. It goes on to say peace. We are determined to foster, foster peaceful, just, and inclusive societies which are free from fear and violence. We're going to say that again because some of you already are sensitive to these kind of uh, terms and rhetoric used right now in policies and schools and jobs. When it speaks to peace, we are determined to foster peaceful, just, and inclusive societies which are free from fear and violence. This is your DIE, your DIE system, your diversity, inclusion, and equity system already being implemented and forced everywhere in the world. 
there can be no sustainable development without peace and no peace without sustainable development. Oh, what a proposition. No peace without sustainable development. No sustainable development without peace. Partnerships. We are determined to mobilize the means required to implement this agenda through a revitalized global partnership for sustainable development based on a spirit of strengthened global solidarity. Another one of those quick phrases focused in particular on the needs of the poorest and most vulnerable and with the participation of all countries, all stakeholders and all people. The interlinkage and integrated nature of the sustainable development goals are of crucial importance and ensuring that the purpose of the new agenda is realized. If we realize our ambitions across the full extent of the agenda, the lives of all will be profoundly improved and our world will be transformed for the better. Then they have a declaration. I will talk about that after the break if, of course, we don't get any calls um, and you will be exposed to uh, what is coming down the pipe from yours truly while we still have the freedom on radio to talk about it. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan, post-election, uh, post-controversial voting process, post-maybe Donald Trump era, who knows? We will certainly find out. As I said last week, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. The number is one 367 5329 I'll be right back. We are back. Again, the time is 5.51 in this uh, early segment. Our first segment is almost over with, and I'm uh, just working on, I've been talking to you about this World Economic Summit and some of the things they want to do. It's, it's quite interesting, the terminology that they are using with regards to uh, implementing this plan of, uh, of uh, a universal health system and, and, and governance for uh, all aspects of our lives. Uh, and, 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 and the way that it sounds like all the nations are just going to sit down at the table and enjoy each other and, uh, and, and, and get along. I, I don't know how, how they even imagine that that can occur under the present hostile conditions, but I think they're speaking from a set of assumptions that they are not quite willing to tell us about yet in regards to how this will occur. But I'll continue to share with you uh, um, while I am uh, uh, eagerly waiting your calls. I'll share with you what I see here in the declaration, in the introduction of the uh, this World Health Economic uh, Fair that took place in 2015. It says, uh, uh, we resolve between now and 2030 to end poverty and hunger everywhere. So over the next 10 years, this is supposed to be a big deal to end poverty and hunger everywhere. And and who, by the way, could argue with that? Who could argue with wanting to end poverty? We're all down for ending poverty. But when you look at the way our nations operate, their different policies, governance, uh, their wills, our history, the conflicts, what's going to all of a sudden overnight change that to move us into this kind of uh, as you heard earlier, camaraderie, this kind of comrade uh, solidarity, which is, you know, socialist Marxist language, what's going to automatically bring us into that kind of relationship and harmony 
when, when historically that has never been the case. It says, on the behalf of the people we serve, we've adopted a historic decision on a comprehensive, far-reaching, and people-centered set of universal and transformative goals and targets. I know, I know. When you hear all this kind of language, you want to, it makes you want to go to sleep because you hear it at the job. You hear it at the schools. You hear it in the meetings. You go, so much double talk. It's true. A lot of this is nothing but double talk for goals and, and agendas that really doesn't get your approval. It's just letting you know what they're going to do. We commit ourselves to working tirelessly for the full implementation of the agenda by 2020. We recognize that eradicating poverty in all of its forms and dimensions, including extreme poverty, is the greatest global challenge and an indispensable requirement for sustainable development. We are committed to achieving sustainable development in three dimensions, as we stated, economic, social, and environmental, in a balanced and integrated manner. We will also build upon the achievements of the millennial development goals and to seek to address their unfinished business. I'm, I'm assuming that they're talking about goals that took place in the year, in the year 2000, goals 2000, um, the 2100 agenda agenda. Uh, Obviously, a lot of that did not work itself out, uh, and that that was largely due to nations going to war and conflicts, uh, yeah, particularly with uh, with Iraq, uh, as you guys know, at the turn of the uh, 21st century. Um, we were wholesale uh, at war uh, once the Twin Towers came down and George W. Bush decided to go for it. Uh, politics jumped in the way with the war mongering uh, institutions, uh, and, and they went at it, and that completely stopped the so-called uh, global plan that the UN wanted to, to implement. But it goes on to say, we resolve between now and 2020 to end poverty and hunger everywhere, to combat inequalities, watch this, within and among countries, to build peaceful, just, and inclusive societies to protect human rights and promote gender equality and the empowerment of women and girls to ensure the lasting protection of the planet and its natural resources. We resolve to also create conditions for sustainable, inclusive, and, uh, uh, inclusive and sustained economic growth, shared prosperity, and decent work for all, taking into account different levels of national development and capacities. As we embark on this great collective journey, we pledge that no one will be left behind recognizing that the dignity of human persons is fundamental. We wish to see the goals and targets met for all nations and people and for all segments of society. We will endeavor to reach the, fur, uh, the furthest behind first. So you, you see it. This is the agenda that they, they want to put forth. And uh, just a little bit more uh, now that some of you are calling in our vision. In these goals and targets, we are setting out a supremely ambitious and transformational vision. We envisage a world free of poverty, hunger, disease, and want, where all life can thrive. We envision a world free of fear and violence, a world with universal literacy, a world with equitable and universal access to quality education at all levels, to health care and social protection, where physical, mental, social well-being are assured, a world where we reaffirm our commitment regarding the human right to safe drinking water, 
sanitation and where there is improved hygiene and where food is sufficient, safe, affordable, and nutritious, a world where human habitats are safe resilient, sustainable, where there is universal access to affordable, reliable, sustainable energy. We envisage a world of universal respect for human rights and human dignity, the rule of law. Oh, yeah? What law? Justice, equality, and non-discrimination of respect for race, ethnicity, cultural diversity, and of equal opportunity, permitting the full realization of human potential and contributing to shared prosperity. Again, all of this sounds good. It really does. But how it's going to ferret itself out is a whole nother thing. Our world, which invests in its children. Now, as soon as I hear that, I go, what about the tens of thousands that are killed and millions every year? In abortion, our world, which invests in its children and in which every child grows up free from violence and exploitation, a world rather, a world in which every woman and girl enjoys full gender equality and all legal, social, economic barriers to their empowerment have been removed. A just, equitable, tolerant, open, and socially inclusive world in which the needs of most vulnerable, the most vulnerable are met. You've heard that repeatedly now because they want to press that home. This is the indoctrination that you and I have been getting for decades now. Whenever you hear inclusion, whenever you hear equity, whenever you hear gender, and whenever you hear equality, um, just know that these are the new talking points and religious dogma that will be implemented uh, at, uh, at the pain of suffering if people don't want to comply with it. Uh, this is basically what's uh, already taking place. It's already being implemented, and, uh, and, and we'll look up, like I said, particularly here in California, and uh, there will simply be no choice. Going to have to take the vaccines. If you're going to work, if you're going to do this, if you're going to do that, uh, it's no choice. Your children have the right to uh, decree and to uh, assess and determine their own gender. You can't stop that. Uh, no choice. You're going to have to submit to uh, yielding to terminology that you don't agree with. Uh, philosophies you don't agree with or else you can't work and you can't be part of this community. All of this is part of the World Health Organization uh, agenda and reset and uh, it's going to be all in the name of health and I'll tell you that's coming it will come and uh, uh, we'll have to find a way to address it uh, as it as it hits our shores. Um, you're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm going to take a break. On the other side of the break I will take your calls one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I'll be right back. 